The following content is from Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a gospel-driven high-adventure camp in western North Carolina. Go to swoutfitters.com to learn more about our camps and conferences. Enjoy the message. Y'all doing all right? Yeah? Everybody awake still? A little bit? Um, I'll make random noises to surprise you and wake you up. Uh, my name is Joseph. I'm one of the, uh, a local pastor in the area, and... Um, and as the, uh, the screen says, you didn't know that I was your greatest enemy. Or that's how it reads to me. I am not your greatest enemy. Um, I might be my own greatest enemy. We'll see by the end of this uh, here session. Um, but yeah, that's the topic for, uh, for this breakout. Um, I, uh, I've been in a lot of small groups and... Um, uh, I've been around a, a lot of different people. I was a youth pastor for 10 years. Um, and uh, one time I was in a small group with uh, some college students, actually. And um, we were going around doing prayer requests. You've probably all been in a situation like that before. And I asked this one young lady, I was like, hey, how can we pray for you? And, she, uh, and, she, and I said, do you have any prayer requests, really? And she said, no. And I was like, oh, Okay. And I was like, are you sure? And she was like, I don't, um, I don't like to, to talk about um, how people can pray for me out loud because I feel like that gives uh, the devil ammunition. And I was like, hmm. Um, well, I realized two things were happening in that moment. First, uh, she really had a lot of misunderstandings about Satan. And a lot of people don't study Satan, you know, study knowing God, not knowing Satan. Um, so we're going to talk about Satan a little bit today. But um, because, like, he, he already knew her weaknesses. She didn't, ha- it didn't matter if she vocalized them or not. Um, and secondly, she didn't realize that her greatest enemy wasn't Satan, but it was indwelling sin, right? And, and so you've probably heard of the infamous trio, the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? Um, we're going to explore and walk through each of those um, and, and ways to combat them, but also the indwelling sin that uh, resides within all of us in the end. Uh, so our, our greatest enemy is not death, right? Jesus defeated the power of death. Um, yes, we're, we're going to still die in the end, but um, that's still not our greatest enemy. Like death is a path that we all must take. Uh, Jesus ultimately gave us victory over the power of death, so we don't have to fear it. Um, our greatest enemy is not the world, right? The, the culture, uh, Republicans, Democrats, your liberal university. I went to Appalachian State, so I had a lot of atheistic professors, especially studying philosophy and religion. That was fun. Um, but they weren't my greatest enemy. Unbelieving parents, not your greatest enemy. Unbelieving siblings, agnostic uncles, the LGBTQ plus agenda, that's not your greatest enemy. Right? Our, our greatest enemy is also not our flesh, pride, passions, pleasures. Our greatest enemy is not the devil. Right? Satan will use the world and the flesh to tempt us, to distract us, to, to lure us away, to try to put us to sleep, to, to take glory away from God. But while all of these are real threats, and they, they are our enemies, I, I, was, I would argue that they are not our greatest enemy. Right? We, we should, and we are instructed in the scriptures, to crucify our flesh daily, to overcome the world, and to resist the devil. But I propose that our greatest enemy is sin within ourselves. 
And this goes for believers or unbelievers. Right? We have to remember that we are not our sin. Okay? Your identity is not your sin. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the greatest enemy for believers and unbelievers is sin within ourselves. We suffer from the disease of, of self-rule. We think that we can rule ourselves or the tyranny of living uh, a self-sufficient, self-sovereign individual in this world. We all want to be like an authentic self and be in control of ourselves and have no one tell us what to do. But for followers of Jesus, our greatest enemy is indwelling sin that we allow to remain in us. And for unbelievers, it's unforgiven sin. So we're going to explain both of these. For believers, indwelling sin is our, our sinful nature. As the scriptures say in Romans 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And so while if you're a follower of Christ, if you're in Christ and, and indwelling sin is still in you, right? This is kind of the tension of the already but not yet. You are already saved and being sanctified, but you're not yet fully free from the presence and the power of sin in your life. When you pass away and you get to be with Jesus face to face, then you will be fully set free and in the presence of the Lord and not enslaved any longer to sin. And so Colossians 3, 9 says, uh, we, do, we do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. So for unbelievers, the greatest enemy is unforgiven sin, which is totally different for believers because they've already been forgiven. Unbelievers haven't trusted in Jesus and therefore, they're still under the condemnation of a holy God. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Jesus said in John 8, 24, I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In 1 John four ten, it's a reminder that we don't love God. It says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word. It just means that, that Jesus absorbed the wrath of God in our place. That's what propitiation means. So for, when God saved us, he saved us from his own wrath and the eternal consequences of sin. And so the devil doesn't make you sin. The world doesn't make you sin. Your flesh doesn't make you sin. The devil cannot throw you into hell. The world cannot eternally condemn you. Your flesh cannot force you to sin. We sin because we ourselves are selfish sinners. And Jesus came to save you from yourself. Because we sabotage ourselves. Right, we are our own worst enemy. Sin is our worst enemy because the only way that Satan can destroy us is by getting us to sin and keeping us from repenting. The only thing that damns us is unforgiven sin, not Satan. God told Adam and Eve that if they rebelled against his word, they would die. So that's why we, have, we see the, the consequences of, of sin and death in the world. We've all rebelled. Right, We see these consequences spiritually and physically. And we need to understand that while sin is our worst enemy, that it's a, it's a weapon in the hand of the devil. So he's going to try to convince you right, that you are your sin. And maybe you've heard phrases like this before. Uh, you're, you're an addict. You're always going to be an addict. 
you're an alcoholic, you're always going to be an alcoholic. That's the enemy speaking. You're lazy, you're always going to be a bum. Right? Satan would love for you to identify yourself with your sin or sins that have been committed against you. That you're a victim. You're always going to be a victim. Satan will use sin to accuse and entice and tempt you. So we must have a proper view of him and understand who the devil is. So let's talk about that for a little bit. The scriptures say in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith. So Satan is real, right? And, and the devil will try to convince you of at least two things. Number one, he'll try to convince you that he isn't real. If he can convince you that he isn't real, then you don't believe in him. And so therefore, it's not a big deal. But if you do believe in him, then number two, he's going to try to convince you that he's not a real threat. He's not a big deal. But the Bible is very clear that he is our adversary, that he is real, that his name is Satan, that he was an arch, archangel, or a, archangel, that's wrong, archangel. So his name was Lucifer. Okay, he was one of the most beautiful and the most powerful angels that God created. That's right. He was created. So he is not like God, right? He, he's a created being. He can't create. He's not God. He's not omniscient. That means he doesn't know all things like God. He's not omnipresent. That means he can't be everywhere at one place like God. And he's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful like God. He became prideful because he wanted to be like God, to take God's place on the throne, and that's why he got thrown out of heaven. And Satan is the father of pride. He's the father of rebellion. He's the deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, the great serpent, the tempter, the prince of the power of the air. He's the spirit that is now at work in the sons that are diso of, of disobedience. He is a threat, and he is a thief. Just ask Jesus, right? John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come. You might have life. Have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. So the devil wants to steal your joy in Jesus. It's one of his goals. He wants to destroy your relationships. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to kill you. He hates you. But he's a defeated foe. And he's a sore loser. Because he wants to try to take down as many people as he can before the final battle. But the devil is on a leash. He wants to influence you to sin. And he wants you to harbor an unrepentant heart. He hates God, and therefore he hates you because you were made in God's image. He was not. He wants to steal glory from God. Your temptations change with each season, right? He will do everything within his power to keep you from reading the Bible. That's why reading the Bible is engaging in spiritual warfare. Anytime you read the Bible, anytime you pray, you're engaging in spiritual warfare. The enemy hates it when you do that because there's a very real war that's raging in the unseen realm. And that unseen realm happens within your heart and in your mind. Those are the battlefields where this war is raging. 
So if the enemy can keep you from being exposed to the word of God, he will. And here is how, this is an example of a progression in sanctification and progression in spiritual warfare. This is how temptations change throughout the seasons. If you've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, right, for for two years, five years, ten years, fifteen years, like, this is how it, it happens. If you aren't reading your Bible, he wants to keep it that way. If you are reading your Bible, he wants you to not believe it. If you believe your Bible, he wants to keep you from obeying it. And if you obey your Bible, he wants to keep you from sharing it. And if you're sharing the Bible, he wants to keep, he wants to beat you down with fear. And if you aren't afraid, then he wants to make you suffer, to destroy your faith and make you doubt God's promises. His goal is to steal God's glory, ultimately. His main business is to advocate, promote, assist, titillate, and confirm our bent to sinning and to keep us from faith and repentance. And when we sin, we please Satan because God hates sin and loves righteousness, and Satan hates anything that God loves. So sinning accords with Satan's power in the world, right? When, when he brings about moral evil, it is through sin. Colossians 2.15 says, He, that is God, disarmed the rulers and authorities, the devil, and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. In who? In Jesus. In Christ. So how did God disarm the devil who's roaming around? Right? He's still active. He's, he's still roaming around. He still has power. How did he disarm him? Because he's still seeking to devour believers. Well, verse 14, the verse right before verse 15 says this, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So the cross of Christ is the key to our victory. Right? You can't beat Satan. I can't beat Satan. We, he is stronger than we are in and of ourselves. But the cross of Christ is the key to our victory. That's why we look to the cross. That's why we can't get over the cross. We can't beat the devil, and we don't have to because Jesus already did. He's given us the victory through the cross and the resurrection. On Colossians 2.14, John Piper said this, Jesus nailed the record of our sin debt to the cross and in that way defeated the devil. How so? Because even though the devil has many weapons, he can beat you up He can taunt you. He can tempt you. He can make you see weird things on the walls in your room. He can throw you into prison. He can kill you, but he cannot damn you. The reason he cannot damn you is because there's only one instrument of damnation. That's unforgiven sin. Only one thing sends people to hell, unforgiven sin. And that weapon has been taken out of his hands 2,000 years ago. He cannot use unforgiven sin against those who trust in Jesus. That's really good news. Right? The devil's an enemy, but he's not our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy is sin, specifically unforgiven sin for, for unbelievers and indwelling sin or sin within for followers of Jesus. So we're going to move away from the devil. We're going to talk about the world, right? Someone would ask, like, how would you define the world? Think about like the system of brokenness in, in this world that we see, right? The, the wisdom of the world, Okay. Um, and the, the world follows the, the devil's agenda, not the word of God. First John 2, 15 through 17 says this, 
do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So you can get distracted by things in the world because why? Like our old nature, right? Indwelling sin, like love. We loved sin. And, and we wouldn't sin unless it was fun. We wouldn't sin unless we wanted to, right? We have a natural bent towards that. And so this world can still away our attention and our affections. And next thing you know, you've wasted your life. The devil will use the world to tempt you, to cave to your selfish desires. As followers of Jesus, we belong to God and we desire to please him and glorify him and not cave to the world. But unbelievers prefer the ways of the world over the ways of God and over the word of God. Moving on to the flesh. So the flesh is is passions, pleasures, pride that well up within us. And these are three crucial, crucial passages that talk about the flesh. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. In the, in the meantime, right, when, when you're being tempted to engage in the passions of the flesh, you're not thinking, man, I'm in the middle of a battle. And the battle is a serious battle. It's a war against my very soul, right? And that's one of the, the deceptions of, of the enemy. This is not a big deal. It's just a battle for your soul. Colossians 3, 5 through 6. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Galatians 5, 24 through 25 says, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. One author said this, as Christians, we wake up every day in the midst of a war. Fleshly desires pull us in one direction. The desires of the Spirit pull us in the other. The status quo is a frustrated stalemate in which we are kept from doing what we want to do. Spiritual desires frustrate fleshly desires, and fleshly desires frustrate spiritual desires. It's that struggle within that every follower of Christ understands because we are engaged in spiritual warfare. And if you're a follower of Christ, Every day, we have to wake up and realize and engage and be ready, right? That's why uh, the Apostle Paul always talks about putting on the armor of God. And we're not, we don't have time to walk through that. But we can't be spectators in the war, right? Galatians 6, 16 through 17 says, Walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So if you're born again, you have a desire to follow Jesus. You have a desire to obey the Lord. You want to glorify God, but you still have these nagging, lingering, indwelling sin, right, that, that is going to pr- try to prevent you from doing what you want to do. Right? And, and Paul talks about that, that battle between the flesh and the spirit in Romans 7. So what's the answer? What's the answer to, 
how do we fight against all of these enemies? Right? How do we fight against the devil and, and the world and the flesh? How do we fight against indwelling sin? Well, Jesus tells us in Luke 9, 23, he says, if anyone would come after me, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. So I'm going to give you six action steps to combat our enemies. Six action steps. Number one, deny yourself daily. The absolute necessity of daily self-denial cannot be overemphasized. Every single day, and, and sometimes you've got to do it more than once a day, more than just in the morning. Sometimes you've got to do it more than three times a day. Sometimes you've got to do it every hour. But you have to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. You have to deny yourself. Say no to sin and yes to Jesus. As Spurgeon said, we lay the axe to the tree of self so that men may fly to the tree of life. If you aren't denying yourself daily, I guarantee you, you will not be living on mission for the Lord. You're not going to be seeking to share the gospel with people if you're not daily denying yourself. Number two, die to yourself. And do this by the power of the Spirit. You can't kill sin. Only Jesus had the power to kill sin, right? And so that's why the Holy Spirit dwelling within you has given you the power to kill indwelling sin. How do we do that? By submitting to the will of God. And, and submitting to his will and not your own will. Every day we have an opportunity to either live for ourselves and our will or to follow the Lord and his will. We have that choice as followers of Christ. Unbelievers don't have that choice. They, they don't have that choice because they don't have the spirit dwelling within them. Like, there's a reason that the Apostle Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm not living this life anymore. It's not my life. My life's been purchased by Christ. And so I've been crucified with Christ. I'm going to crucify myself every day then. I'm going to die to myself every day so that it's not me who's living. It's Christ who's living through me. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and this life that I live in the body, in the flesh, I'm going to live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, and he gave himself for me. See how he's keeping the cross in front of him? He's keeping the cross, like, in his eye. He always sees that. The, the cross is never outside of his perspective. Number three, humble yourself. Humble yourself. How do you humble yourself? Because we're all prone to be prideful. So how do we humble ourselves? So you cannot, if you're a follower of Jesus, you cannot gaze at the cross of Christ and stay prideful. If you need a lesson in humility, just go read Philippians chapter 2. You can't gaze at the cross of Christ and stay prideful. Humble yourself and follow Jesus. Don't lose sight of the cross. Keep it ever before you. Remember his sacrifice. Sing songs about the cross. Right? Soak your mind and your heart in scriptures about the cross. Number four, strengthen your faith. Strengthen your faith. First Peter 5, 9, that same passage that talks about being sober-minded. Remember you have an adversary, right? He's seeking to devour you. Strengthen your faith. Resist him. How? Firm in your faith. Trusting in the Lord. He never leaves you. He, he never forsakes you. 
He's always got your back. He's always going to provide a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation is overtaking you except what is coming to man. But God is faithful. He'll always provide a way out. He's always going to be there for you. You're never alone. We have to strengthen our faith. And that's why Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Right? That's, that's one massive part of the armor of God. Take up the shield of faith. Because with the shield of faith, you can extinguish those flaming darts of the enemy, those lies that you're going to be assaulted with every single day. Take up the shield of faith. Stand firm in the faith. Because one of the things that the enemy wants to destroy, if he can't kill you, he wants to destroy your faith. Satan loves death. God loves life. Now, what's one practical way you can strengthen your faith? I think the scriptures say faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by, anybody know? The Word. The Word of God. It's always going to come back to the Word of God. Jeremy, I didn't even hear that whole breakout Jeremy did. The tail end that I heard was, don't get your worldview from the world. Get it from the Bible. Right? How do you strengthen your faith? How do you stand firm in the faith? In the Word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of God. So strengthen your faith by saturating your mind and your heart in the Scriptures. Number five, bow as a slave to Christ. You were a slave to sin. You had no choice when you were an unbeliever. You were always going to sin. You didn't even know what it was to say yes to Jesus and no to yourself. You had no ability to do that. Now, as a follower of Christ, if you're in Christ, then you are a slave to Christ because he purchased you. So don't be a slave to the world. Don't be a slave to your flesh. Don't be a slave to Satan. If you are in Christ, you are not a slave to sin. You're a slave to the one who purchased you with his perfect blood. So bow as a slave to Christ. It's way better being a slave of Christ than it is being a slave of anybody else. We're a slave to whom we obey. That's what the scriptures say. So I would rather have a master who is loving, who is kind, who is compassionate, who's caring, right? Who, who's, he, he's a true king, a generous king, a kind king, right? Who, who longs for us to come to him and, and spend time with him and, and speak to him, right? And he loves for us to listen and obey him, right? And not our indwelling sin. We need to bow as a slave to Christ. Realize who we are. We are his children. And number six, the last one, Walk by the Spirit, not your flesh. We must fight a daily battle, a war within every single day in the power of the Spirit and by the sword of the Spirit. It's one of those other armors that we've been given, the weapon we've been given. It's not, it's not a, a defensive mechanism. It is a weapon, and so we should wield it daily. Um, I'm going to throw this uh, picture up on the, on the screen I love this picture. If you've never heard of Reftunes, you need to follow them on Instagram. They're pretty fantastic. Um, but J.C. Ryle um, wrote many things, but this is a quote from him. He said, A true Christian is one who is not only peace of conscience, but war within. He may be known by his warfare as well as by his peace. Now, you probably don't see it, but um, 
the guy who's in the red, anybody see what's written on his back? Sin. Indwelling sin. Sin within, right? Still residing in your heart or in your brain. And you see that he's fighting with what? The sword of the Spirit. This is not worldly weapons that we have. We don't fight against flesh and blood, right? Or the, we fight against the principalities of the powers of the air. We fight an unseen battle, a very real spiritual war. And so we have to wield the sword of the Spirit. So how well you know your Bible is how big your sword is. Are you fighting with a little bitty pocket knife? Or are you fighting with like an Aragon sword? What are you fighting with? Right? We, we got to fight sin every day. So deny yourself, die to yourself, humble yourself, strengthen your faith, bow as a slave to Christ, and walk by the Spirit. If we do that, then we will be faithful to our Master and our King, Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope this has encouraged you in your walk with Christ. Be sure to give us a rating and review. And for more Snowbird content, check out our other podcast, No Sanity Required.